Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for supernatural girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. I am here with my co-host from Tucson, PK. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fabulously. I'm waiting for the storm to come in and float away, but so far, so good. <laughs> good. Good. We want you with us. We want you with us for this entire 90 minutes because we've got a terrific guest with us tonight. Oh, oh yeah. my God. We're, we're, talking, we're going to be talking with her Greetings. Yeah, about familiars. So we've never had anybody on the show in all the years we've been doing Supernatural Girls who can talk about familiars and Supernatural Guardians. So tonight we're lucky enough to have Maja Dau with us. And she has a lovely book, which I wish I could show you what it looks like because it's a really cool cover. It is Familiars in Witchcraft, Supernatural Guardians and the Magical Traditions of the World. We're going to learn a lot tonight. And before we bring Masha on, let's talk numbers. What's going on? Well, let's see. This is the last day of this month. So starting tomorrow, we will be in a two-universal month, which is all about partnerships, relationships, and sensitivity. So don't get upset, folks, when your feelings get hurt quite easily or if you've got a major play you want to make for somebody else and they kind of blow you off. But it's the sensitive side is going to be key throughout the entire month. Of course, your personal stuff will add to it or whatever. But you asked me to take a look at Marion Williamson. And yes, I and this is not an endorsement, by the way. Oh, it is <laughs> For everybody not. listening, it we are not, not endorsing any of the not. Democrat candidates, but we just thought it would be I'm fun. I'll say that right up front. <laughs> so, yeah, can, sorry, get over it. Make that disclaimer. <laughs> but That's... we were interested because she's been a kind of a force in the New Age field for a long, long time, and obviously has powerful friends. Like Oprah and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, we thought it would be interesting to take a look at her numbers from her name. So yeah. what did you find out? Well, for, she's in a nine-year, ending old things, making way for the new. The nine-year that she's in does not end until January. So her going into a one-personal year might give her some running power to look at in the beginning. I don't see it being there for the long haul. Uh, the young lady always does two things at one time. Tendency to be a bit of a manipulator. but And the ironic part, she deals very well with changes. And her key to success comes out of her work, which deals with communication. But the key is her spiritual side has had to take a boost from other areas because she wasn't born with this. She has really worked herself to become who she is today. 
So I thought that was rather surprising. I expected to see more of a spiritual strength in her chart, but it isn't there. So I thought that was no kidding. Yeah. But she has a five life path. So that being said, she likes change and she will make changes. She could be a chameleon if she wants to be because she's extremely headstrong. She can manipulate, as I say. She does two things at one time, always multitasks, and she always will. And with her chart, every 25 years there's a major change in her life. So I think we're just about at that peak, and I think that's why this possibility of a run, uh, I don't I don't see it going anywhere. But Yeah, I don't either. But that's interesting that you saw I don't numbers. So, yeah. But yeah, for all I, of us, right. know that sensitivity is a key, key backbone of the entire month of August. So be cognizant of other people's feelings, and hopefully they will be of yours as well. But it's the sensitive side that's got in partnerships, relationships. We're going to hear about some split-ups that we didn't expect and some partnering that we didn't expect. So a lot of changes taking place. But it'll be okay. Hmm. Thank God the retrograde gone bye-bye. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, I know. This has hooray, hooray been... for that. Oh, Jesus, yes. And <laughs> everything that I have or people that I've been involved with have touched in one form or another has been sabotaged throughout this. They've all stated the same thing. One of the worst retrogrades they can think of that they've been in in years. Oh, my so gosh. Wow. Well. will be kind to us now, as well as all the little supernatural guardians that are out there that I can lay at our feet today to help us go forward and get rid of some of this negative stuff. I know. We need all the help we can get. So we're going to be talking with our guests tonight about all of that. And, again, I just want to remind everybody, if you want your own numerological reading, then contact PK at patriciakirkman.com, or you can go to supernaturalgirls.com, and you can find access there as well to Patricia Kirkman's website. You can book your own session. You can ask all the questions you want, and PK will answer them. She'll let you know what's coming up. And also, what you were born with, what you came in for. It's a very interesting way to learn about yourself. And if you're interested in a soul realignment reading and a manifestation plan, that's the latest thing I just learned from Andrea Hess, then just shoot me an email. I'm also at supernaturalgirls.com, and I'd be happy to book a session for you and go over all the great information from that kind of a lens. So, Again, you can find us both, SupernaturalGirls with a Z.com. Make sure that you like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We do have an interesting video on there tonight, Wyoming UFOs. Somebody caught it, and it's on our website. I mean, excuse me, it's on our Facebook page. Take a look there. It's, it's interesting because they keep multiplying. So we don't want to know what you think about it. Some people are saying, was it a drone? And that just Now there's more than one. There's many. Or are these UFOs? So let us know your thoughts on it. There have been a lot of very strange sightings. Uh, triangular, they start out as triangles, and then they change into other things. There's been clouds that look just like a UFO with lights underneath So, again, the government can't cover it all up fast enough. It's kind of funny that way. And I do want to mention that covert disclosure, 
We've been in touch with him. He did respond, and he said he would answer all of our questions. So just so you guys are aware, we put a long list of comprehensive questions out to Covert Disclosure, and he is going to answer them, and we're going to play his answers on the air. He cannot reveal his identity. He's very cautious about all of that, and so what he's doing is he has a list of our questions. He's going to answer them on an audio file, send them back, and we're going to play the answers on the air and discuss it all with you. That will be coming up as soon as he gets me these files. We'll be posting that for the next show. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Claims to be affiliated with a government installation, the likes of which we have never heard about above ground. So this will be fascinating. Cannot wait to have him, or I should say, his answers on the show. And don't forget about our beautiful candles made by Bruja. Hi. Katrina Rasbold. Oh, my God. They're incredibly powerful. We highly recommend them. One is for wealth. One is for love. And one is for soul clearing. And you can buy them all on our website. So take a look there. They're beautiful and they're powerful because they were made by Bruja Katrina. So right. very good stuff. Very powerful. I have a, a thought for our audience. Has anyone noticed that of late there are no chemtrails? Yeah, didn't After, Trump put an end to that, I heard? Well, I, that's, I'm just curious because someone said a couple of weeks ago that there was some on the south side of, the, of Tucson. And I'm going, huh? And they said periodically they're popping up in strange places. So I'm just curious how many other people are still seeing chemtrails? Yeah, we should take a poll here and find out. We haven't seen them in a while. So I heard that they were going to be stopped, hopefully, those poisonous things. We certainly don't need that in our air on top of everything else, right? That's just craziness. I thought they were trying to put us to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, permanently, right? Almost worked. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, that's a great question, PK. So everybody, uh, send us your answer. You can respond to us on Facebook. You can send us an email on our respective emails to be found at supernaturalgirls.com. And we're always happy to hear from our audience, always. We have the best audience in the world. We love you guys. So tonight, here we are. We are going to have so much fun tonight because we're going to learn about something that we've not talked about before, about Familiars and supernatural guardians. We are going to be speaking with Masha Dau. She is known as the Witch of the Dawn. She's a practicing witch and scholar of alchemy and occult lore. Now, after com- this is one smart lady, I got to tell you, after completing her bachelor's degree in biochemistry, she studied oriental medicine and acupuncture and then earned her master's degree. In transformational psychology, she's got it all, and she's with us tonight. Maja, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, ladies. Very excited to be here. Oh, we're very happy to have you. Sure. Yes, yes, we got so much we got to talk about. But first of all, a little bit about you. How did you get into all of these things? Well, I was, I was. I came in weird, so I was kind of a goner from the get-go. You're in good company. <laughs> I just, from a time I was small, I got sick a lot, 
and all these strange things would happen to me when I was sick. I would have out-of-body out of experiences, and I stayed home a lot, just kind of sitting in bed and staying still and going into my mind. Uh, so I spent a lot of time reading books and kind of trained my mind a lot. So I feel like that really had an influence. And then I just grew up around a lot of nature, and I feel like folks that are inundated or in nature, you know, you start to see that reality isn't quite what people explain it to be because you start to feel the living nature around you and see things that are kind of supernatural in the nature. I'm sure you ladies know what I'm talking about. Oh, for Definitely. sure. How did your parents so, yeah, receive was, uh, yeah. your your newfound consciousness? With the unknown, my, did they my, support my you? My mother in it? was a yeah. My mother was a hippie who actually lived in Tibet when I was conceived. So she was, you know, part of it too. <laughs> I grew up. She was an artist and had all these crazy books about religion and Tibetan iconography, and so I was really exposed to spirituality and religion through my mother. She's a Scorpio, so you know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That must have oh. been intense. Yes. What is your yes. first day, may I ask? Oh, yeah. I'm a Sagittarius, November 24th. So I have some, a couple. I have Mars and Scorpio and Mercury, too, in my third house. So that's where I get all my communication and writing stuff. And then so I always understand Scorpios, I feel like. And I get about 50% of my astrology clients are Scorpios. It's pretty freaky. And I have, like, uh, ties to them. My my spiritual teacher is a Scorpio. My mother, my ex husband. I feel like I'm always surrounded by them somehow. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> Intensity is the key word. Yeah. It's challenging, I guess. Oh my goodness. Well, <clears throat> we're going to get into all of this familiar stuff. However, wanted to ask you first about the black moon that's coming up. What can you tell us about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, there's been uh, so many intense moons since 2014 with all the blood moon madness and I and the eclipses, the lunar eclipses have been so strong. And through all the moon business, the thing that really became clear to me is when there's a super moon, an eclipse or an intensification of the lunar energy, everyone's shadow comes to the surface. So they've been very valuable in that they have been really revealing to where you have darkness that needs to be integrated or acknowledged or noticed instead of projected. Uh, it's kind of the biggie, right? So a black moon is kind of like a blue moon. The blue moon is when we have a couple full moons in the same month. And then black moons are usually when you have a couple of new moons in the same month or same season. So they get called the black moon. And this one's also a super moon. So usually that new moon energy is really about uh, beginnings and the full moons are about endings. So when we get a super moon, black moon, I felt like the last set of eclipses in July, I don't know how it was for you ladies, you mentioned about the retrograde difficulty, but these July eclipses, there was an earthquake in Los Angeles literally for that 
first one, and the energy was so intense that this new moon, what I feel, it's trying to get everyone their new beginning started. So everyone's been going through this process of shedding so many habits and past systems and structures. You know, it's kind of just what's happening to humans right now. And the time happening with this black moon is most of us that are a little savvy or get, you know, communication have known that we have to do preparation and get the new thing started, new system, the new paradigm. So for a lot of folks, it's really going to get kick-started and they're going to get kind of shoved, whether they like it or not, Mm -hmm. into new situations and have that old just kind of ripped away. But I feel like a lot of that happens at these eclipses in July. So now people should be getting a, a kickstart into the new time. Wow, pretty powerful. What I look at here, there's also the opportunity, if you want to call it an opportunity. The month of August is going to give us a review of last year's items for many of us to take mm. a good look at and see where we've made mistakes and giving us with this new moon, giving us an opportunity to maybe – reevaluate and jump start in a better way repentance yes wonderful we need to repent <laughs> well repentance, a lot of people don't know because you I've know christians, years. <laughs> the christians stole that word but it means to change something that you regret so repentance is a second chance you know it's not I don't see it as a Christian term. It just means if, you know, like you said, if you are contemplating or reflecting back and there's something you regret so much, you wish you hadn't done it, repentance is when you actually physically change your behavior or action to make that difference. So it's very powerful, and I think it belongs to everyone, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I listened to one of your lectures about the shadow side and the darkness. Yeah. It was very interesting. And so is this a time to really, again, embrace that part of ourselves that we may not like all that much, but is there? I, I think so. I know it's important. We have to, parts we don't like about ourselves, you got to still look because they're there, you know. You can't go one-eyed like a cyclops into everything. You got to see with your good eye and your stinker eye. So I always (laughs) encourage people, right? Because then if you don't, you like project it on everyone else and you think everyone else is a jerk and has the problem when it could just be that you're not paying attention to your own stuff, right? That's right. That's right. I agree. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I really enjoyed your your talk on that, and that's why I wanted to make sure that I gave you a minute to, to again, remind people of this. Because it's a very important aspect of shamanism and basically learning to love yourself no matter what. And we often forget that. So I thought that was a, a good point that you made. Very true. Uh, it's, it's very true. I Thanks. And I, I think people forget uh, what the word unconditional means, you know. It's true, there's a lot of light workers or folks in the spiritual networks that get angry about negative energy or shadow work. And, uh, I mean, you know, there's no cutting it out. We're we're in a reality that has protons and electrons. So 
there's no escaping the the duality forces. You got to figure out what to do with them. Yes, exactly. Both of them or all of them. Exactly. Or this, this yeah, everything. <clears throat> yes. So let's go to your new book, which is lovely, about familiars and supernatural guardians. Start sharing with us so that we can get up to speed on what are these things? How do you work with these energies? Is it only black cats or is there much more to the story? <laughs> Yeah, of course, everyone knows the black cat and the witch, probably the most iconic image of witches, you know, is shown with the black cats. Um, Familiar spirits are much larger than that, uh, obviously, but most folks don't know because it's been whittled down to this caricature of the Halloween witch with the black cat. Uh, In the book, I discuss that Familiar spirits can be animals, they can be plants like trees, uh, even rocks, elemental spirits. Um, They can take a lot of forms, and some of them can be insubstantial, like intelligences or informing spirits that give you actual data. Uh, And they can also be ancestors or spirits of the dead, which, of course, became very taboo for people to connect with their ancestors, even though all indigenous cultures make that a very important part of their practice and culture, uh, through Christianity and Judaism, it became taboo and was not permitted anymore. So we kind of lost contact with that aspect of familiars as well through, uh, you know, the poo-pooing of what's right and wrong that was told to us. But yeah, the, the black cats quickly, I'll just explain Um, That actually came from Egyptian pagans, uh, which I discuss in the book, that pagans had cats because they worshipped Bath. I'm sure you guys have heard of Bath, but she was a female. Yeah, the cat deity. Um, And it happened that the emperor of Rome, Theodosius, this was about 300 A.D., started converting everyone to Christianity. So if you had a cat, it meant that you were pagan. So they started killing everyone with cats, and most of them had these black cats. So the black cat became unlucky or a sign of the witch because all the pagans in Egypt that worshipped Bath kept cats. And then, of course, it was unlucky because they had your number if they saw you without cats. Oh, how miserable for everybody. Oh, my God. No, it's terrible. And now and Bast also, as I recall, in Egyptian mythology, was also a destroyer. So she had her her dark side. Tell us a little bit about Bast. Yeah, Bast was one of the goddesses. And some people put her as the same as Sekhmet, who has got like a lion head. There's some interchange with those. Zekmet, I think, is more popular in terms of goddesses these days. But Bast and Sekhmet both represented the kind of fierceness of the female, which later was shown, as I say in the book, usually the goddess is shown with two lions at her feet or she's standing on two lions. If you guys have seen those images of Lilith uh, or Sibel, they're always depicted with these cats 
right? And yeah. so these caps, yeah, every single one through, through multicultures, right? Not only Egypt, but throughout Turkey and Anatolia, Babylon, uh, all those areas include these cats with the goddess. And so they represent the power force of her animal nature, which, like you said, can be destructive, but also creative, simultaneously creative and destructive. Well, it's a, it's a fascinating journey that you're taking us on in this book. But tell us more about, so it's not just cats, but this is one of our historical references about how cats were used and how people were persecuted because it was related to paganism. So there are many more spirit, uh, supernatural and spiritual guardians here other than cats. Talk to us about more of those. Oh, yeah, those are my favorite ones. <laughs> so okay. there's there's supernatural spirits that have relationships with human beings. And whatever you want to think they are, you know, maybe it's an aspect of our minds. Maybe we're making it up in our heads. Maybe it's aliens. Maybe it's angels. Whatever explanation you want to put on them, the fact of the matter is, Almost every culture in human history around the globe has stories and examples of these interchanges and relationships with strange supernatural spiritual beings that either protect them, they give them information and data, like how civilization was started, such as agriculture, language. I mean, big deals, right? This is, we're talking the major basis of our foundation. If you look in the origin stories of civilization, it was communicated to humans from these spirit things, you know? So you got to kind of stop and say, well, what is happening here and what are they talking about? And the forms of these entities or creatures go everywhere from recognizable nature forms to crazy serpents in the sky and dragons to angelic things with wings to voices that talk to us in our heads that are not quite our voice that give us instructions like Socrates had that experience probably the most famous and then they killed him because of it uh, and they can also take forms of, like I said, your, your dead relatives that appear and give you instructions. So they kind of take a lot of different shapes. But the reason I feel like they're all familiar spirits is because they all provide these same functions of guardianship, a relationship, or giving data or information. And what about the protective aspect? Because that's how... I mean, the traditional familiar uh, explanation is that they protect their person. Is that true? It's very true. If you read in the literature, uh, especially of indigenous cultures, like Native Americans, for example, uh, I mentioned in the book how they, that's where the word totem comes from. And they would be uh, their family guardian, so sometimes kind of ancestry. But the totem pole really represents the familiar spirits of 
the tribe or the group, and those can be animals. Some of them are weird. Like if you look at totem poles, some of the things on there are not animals or things you would see in nature. They're these like crazy creatures, and they protect. Their role is to protect the family or the tribe and keep out anyone that would wish them ill or harm, and that is true in indigenous cultures in China, in India, in, you know, all over Australia, they perform the same function. And so they have a kind of power, even though they, they might be only spirits and not real natural entities, they can work and operate in the world through protecting people from harm and keeping things away. But there's usually a bit of a cost, right? So if you get a guardian of this nature, they're dangerous and kind of weird and jealous. So along with the stories of acquiring these guardians, it comes at, you know, this weird kind of behavior that you have to deal with from the spirit because they get real. uh, Most of the shamans that talk about their guardians, some of them won't even let the shaman have like a boyfriend or a girlfriend because they're so weird. They want to keep everyone away from them. So they, there will be, sometimes they can be overprotective uh, as well as beneficially protective. Now, the, there are... the Eskimo, isn't that very similar to what the American Indian does? Very similar, yes. It's really the exact same thing, which is like, you know, for me, when I read about something and it's talked about everywhere, right, you have to be like, what is this? There's some truth to it, because if everyone is noticing it as a phenomenon, there's just no way that it's made up, you know. Right, right. And there are stories, too, that King Solomon has, there's a story about him uh, being tricked to give up his ring correct that's right and tell us about that yeah so asmodeus uh, if i can say that name (laughs) if you guys don't mind me naming names right (laughs) so the the king of demons you know solomon a lot of people don't know he worked with familiar spirits which of course was forbidden in judaism but what's hilarious Uh, I tell one of the stories of using familiars in the Bible where they all say it's taboo, but then they do it anyway, right? So all these (laughs) Jewish patriarchs, right? It's so so standard. (laughs) I know. So most of the the Jewish patriarchs actually come into communion with familiar spirits uh, through talking to angels, talking to spirits. And Solomon just straight up has interactions with, deities, demons, uh, all these kind of lower natured. In fact, it says in, in the literature that Solomon used demons to build the tabernacle, the first temple of the Jews, where it's built by familiar spirits. So it's hilarious that they just condemn it because at the same time, they actually make them servants to do all their work, you know? So I'm like, right. what is happening? Right? What is happening here? Yeah. What's going on? But Solomon used them all the time. And then one of the familiar spirits that he was actually employing as a slave, which part of the familiars, the other thing that marks them is they do you favors or they do work for you. So like guarding you, that's one of the things they can do. But they'll also like do labor for you or get you favors or like treats, right? So 
Solomon used these familiar spirits to do a lot of work for him. And Asmodeus was like fed up of working for him and being bound to him. So he tricked him to get his ring was what let Solomon have rulership over these familiar spirits so they wouldn't like attack him. Right, because you have to domesticate them like a like an animal. If you don't train your dog, it might turn on you. Right, so the familiars are yeah. a little, yeah, they're similar in some of the traditions where they're stinkers, right, like fairies. So they're sneaky, <laughs> and so right, so Solomon had this ring devil. that let him like keep him in line, but he got tricked and his ring was taken, and the rest of the story is bonkers because he loses his ring Solomon loses all his power he turns into like a bum basically and wanders around he can't even get food you know he was like the wisest king on earth he goes to nothing after he loses the power of the familiars and then he's like fishing on a boat years later and he catches this fish and inside the fish he finds his ring because I guess Asmodeus had thrown it in into the sea to hide it from him. But then, you know, how these things work <laughs> through synchronicity and all that, the fish yeah. returns the ring to him. So then he has command over the familiars again. This is such See, a that's great... where the payback L comes from. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a great story. I love it. I love it so much. Oh. Yes. And and I also wanted you to talk about, if you would, one of my favorite topics is the Castaneda material, where he discusses the tonal and the nahual. And also there's danger with that as well, right? Yes, totally. Yeah, my uh, my spiritual teacher, Dr. Kelvin DeWolf, introduced me to a lot of that, who I worked with. And I mean, maybe you've had this experience, too. When you start to do the work, you see... How accurate. I mean, people will obviously critique everything, and Castaneda gets a lot of critique on his material. But, man, if you do it, <laughs> you can really see for yourself. But with the noggle and the tonal, these are perfect examples of familiar spirits that really take on that primal nature power. So the noggle is really a, a primal nature spirit, usually affiliated with an animal. But it can also be like, a, you know, one of those protector entities. They're very fierce, and they're dangerous. They'll, they'll turn on you. If you can't be master of yourself and you fall into doubt and you lose your confidence, right, kind of like a an attractive man that loses his girlfriend because he cries or something in front of her. Um, It's a little similar in these stories where you have to maintain your dominance and command presence over these familiar spirits because they're too powerful. And if you can't wrangle it, it'll like eat you and cause you a lot of trouble and, you know, even there's stories of them murdering people or if you get angry and you lose control of your emotions, your familiar will go and, like, cause trouble for the people you're targeting, too, which is not cool, right? So the the noggles are very much in that category. And then the tonals are kind of more an aspect of your inner self and higher self. So that's more about 
the spiritual power that a human has that they have forgotten that they can access. But then there's also something they refer to as an ally, which is also yes. a bit, uh, you, you approach that with some trepidation also, but it's a little different. How is that different? It's like the word familiar, which I mentioned in the book, it comes from family. So it's the same kind of word as family. So it's a relationship. So a family, you have a relationship with your family and things are done and you don't necessarily like owe something to each other, right? If someone's your family, you're going to do things and exchange things with them and there won't be as, as much of a reciprocity. But certainly people get angry at their family members if they aren't being reciprocal, right? Like if someone's just laying on the couch, not contributing, not working, they're going to start to get in trouble with the family. But then there's like friends and allies, which are a little different than your family, but they're still your tight bros, right? So you can still rely on each other and you help each other. So an ally relationship with the familiars is kind of like both of you need each other to survive, essentially. So it's kind of like an agreement or a pact. So, like, nations will have alliances with each other, for example, right? So if when World War II happens, we need each other, right, to confront this thing, so we form a pact or alliance. So I feel like allies are a little more on that level, not quite the same as, like, family. So there's sort of different hierarchies there, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. So. So it sounds like you better know what you're doing when you go to work with these things. So have you ever personally experienced a struggle with some of these entities or have you seen people experience some, some difficulties with them? Yep. Yep. And what happens is it's really about your will. So maybe you ladies know too, if you practice magic yourselves, Personally, uh, what you find is that you need will and discipline. So a a big part, people think magic. There is magic available, obviously, because it's everywhere, like energy. But if you are going to utilize and direct any kind of force, you need to have enough will where you can concentrate it, like like a laser beam is how I guess I would put it. And if you don't, it's just going to kind of frisk out, right? So it's like if, it's like anything you're doing. If you're, if you're going on a walk and you kind of lose your volition, you're going to wander around and sort of lose your focus and concentration. You could trip and fall. So it's, it's dangerous like that. So if you lose your point of focus and concern, the thing is just going to still be there and come back at you. Like you'll read stories of, these magicians that kind of botch their operations because they're not paying attention, like how Aleister Crowley's house burned down in the middle of his Babylon working, right? So with clients, yeah, right? So with clients, if you see that someone's got a, a thing on them that's riding them, they've lost their center. They're no longer driving. They're... They're letting something else drive them. So you'll see this with, like, addiction, for example, okay? So the spirit of alcohol will ride a lot of people if their will falls, 
right? Yes, that's true. Yes, it is. Yep, absolutely. A lot of the magicians will use substances with their magic and they'll they'll lose their will and the substance will then possess them. You see this all the time. And they'll use the plants. Some people will use power plants in this fashion. And if they don't keep on their will development and discipline, you'll see them go down the tubes too. There's tons of people in LA that are doing all these ayahuasca retreats like all the time, like, you know, on a monthly or weekly basis. And they're not doing any will discipline, and you see the plant spirit just rides them, and they 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 have serious repercussions as a result. I had wondered about that because uh, different ones that I know in the group that they have quote as they said gone on the, a retreat to use the ayahuasca, and afterwards some have been very steady into what their beliefs are, and there are others that seem to have it's almost like they're on a drunk. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And they have to, then they got to just clear themselves out and they have to do clearings and more will and discipline, you know, like if they've just hit the sauce too hard. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, because it sounds like an overindulgence. So anything yes. that's out of balance then can create a dangerous situation for the witch, magician, or whatever. So, yeah, there has to be, as you said, strong will that can't be compromised. And also, I mean, you can't be tricked into giving up your will, just like in the King Solomon story. That did happen. Fascinating. Well, we're going to take a very short commercial break, everybody, and come back and hear more exciting stories, and information from Maja Dau, and she is the author of a great new book, and I'm getting it right now. Like I said, I wish I could show it to you because it's so cool looking. Familiars in Witchcraft, Supernatural Guardians in the Magical Traditions of the World. So again, we'll take a short commercial break, and then we will be right back. Stay tuned, everyone. Pure essential oils, specialized minerals, and a revolutionary anti-aging technology. Astridium combines the best of all scientifically proven ingredients in easy-to-use creams, lotions, and concentrated serums. Astridium's advanced line of products take your skin to a new level of being healthy and beautiful. We offer a variety of collections that address all your skin concerns. The Essential Anti-Aging Series treats and moisturizes your skin for a long-lasting, younger look. The Multivitamin Series promotes healthy skin with high-quality vitamins and minerals. The Sports Series restores skin from cellular damage and stress. Astridium also offers a revitalizing solution for hair and a professional series for doctors and medical spas. Visit astridian.love today and begin your new journey to healthy, beautiful, youthful skin. Astridian, beyond your expectations. Are you frustrated with endless mantras, affirmations, and processes that promise to align your life with your dreams only to find yourself years later in the same space where you began? Do you feel like you must be doing something wrong because nothing seems to be working? 
Don't you just wish that someone could shift your consciousness for you and your life could align with your desires without all the effort? Well, your wish is about to come true. Hi, I'm Carrie Cannon, and I have a gift that allows me to align the consciousness of others to be in harmony with their dreams. The best part is, it requires no particular effort on your part. Upon listening to a consciousness alignment, people have reported instant energy shifts, financial windfalls, soulmate connections, healed relationships, physical healings, and more. To gain access to a free trial offer for my entire Manifesting Miracles library of consciousness alignments, go to commandmiracles.com now for details. Again, that's commandmiracles.com for information about our free trial offer. That's commandmiracles.com. Ready for a new experience of freedom and powerful connection? Would you like a positive, effortless change in your life? Then come to CosmicFusion.com, where we offer the most advanced energy clearing and expansion techniques in the world with a quantum vortex energy to activate your divine blueprint and life's purpose. When your soul leads the way with cosmic fusion and quantum vortex energy, you can break clear of past difficulties and blocks with the power of the source. With Cosmic Fusion, the source energy does the work for you. It's easy and effortless. Listen to our free meditation right from our Cosmic Fusion website, the Cosmic Code Meditation. Sign up for one of our interactive webinars today. Come to Cosmic Fusion, www.kosmicfusion.com to experience an effortless awakening and transformation. Are you ready for an upgrade? Are you ready for a new experience of living in the fifth dimensional magic and powerful connection? Then visit CosmicFusion.com today. CosmicFusion.com Your property tax bill. Have you seen it lately? It's frightening. Your property taxes are going up while your home value is going down. It's time to fight back and win. For the real truth about the property tax system, get Attorney Pat Quintilian's book, Are You Getting Screwed on Your Property Taxes? How to Find Out and How to Fix It. Attorney Quintilian answers all your questions and gives you the facts you need to fight a property tax bill that is spiraling out of control. You'll also read about what happens to property owners who don't check their property records only to find out too late they're taxed on square footage, fixtures, and even buildings that they don't own. Is this happening to you? Learn your rights. Buy Attorney Pat Quintilian's book today. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. Available on Amazon.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. Here with my co-host, PK, and our terrific guest tonight, Masha Dau. We are talking about familiars and supernatural guardians. But one thing I do want to mention that's important. Uh, we had a guest on, and we've had him on a number of times, Ed Edwards. I wanted to let you guys know, if you go to our Facebook page, Ed is doing a very special hour tomorrow with a new partner to send all of this photon energy. He's been measured, 
at the lab. And mm-hmm. scientists are blown away by this guy. And PK, you know Ed very well yourself. Oh, he's marvelous. Um, he is incredible. So he is doing something new with someone. Actually, it's a woman he has been introduced to who's very much like him. Highly unusual. So apparently their energies combined is making for quite the healing energy. And, again, this is happening tomorrow night. If you want to sign up, it's on our Facebook page. And I just wanted to make sure to let all of you know about it. It's going to be extraordinary. So back we are talking about – yeah, he's great. We love him. We love him. So we are talking about familiars and supernatural guardians. And I'm starting to get a little nervous about them, Masha. (laughs) They're beginning to sound more like a hindrance than a help. I think I've got one living here. It's freaky stuff, man. And, you know, another weird, we can go real weird, too, with it. Uh, If you're starting to feel uncomfortable, let's just ride it. (laughs) No, no, let's just, yeah, exactly. I want to know what's happening. Go for it. Let's go all the way down. Uh, So the weirder thing that I mentioned that is also a running theme uh, in terms of family and relationships with these familiar spirits, the biggie that is talked about all over the place is that humans have sexual relationships with these spirits. And this happens across the board from from shamans having sexual relationships with plant spirits. Uh, This is talked about, I mentioned this fabulous book by Stephen Beyer. Uh, He goes way into detail uh, about plants and shamans in his book and talks about how they form not only relationships, but they're also sexual. If that sounds weird to you, anyone familiar with the fairy material, if you guys know fairies are elemental and natural spirits that are in plants, rocks, all kinds of stuff. And there's so many stories of them having sexual and marriages with human beings that I can't even list all those because there's thousands of examples of the fairy bride uh, and that those lead to children and offspring as well. So the, the plot thickens <laughs> with the types of relationships that humans have with these uh, entities. And I really feel like, like the cherry on the top for people who think that's a weird idea are, are you know, the world's most popular or one of the most prominent religions of Christianity is only a story of a woman who has a baby with a familiar spirit known as the Holy Spirit. So it's oh my uh, God. it's, it's oh worth mentioning, right? Uh, it's pretty weird. Yeah, that wraps the brain in a different direction, doesn't it? It sure <laughs> does. <laughs> like what it is going really on? It really does. Yes, yes. Well, it's a whole new option, I guess. But again, <laughs> if you're if you're if you're having sex with these familiars. And they already have kind of an edge over you. Doesn't that particular adventure of sexuality with exploring that with these elementals and these familiars give them more power over you? Isn't that possible? 
It really is. And one of the things I mentioned in the book is that, you know, in the story, when the Holy Spirit comes and visits Mary, she doesn't seem to have much choice. She's essentially told this is going to happen to her, and she just has to shut up. And she's scared. And it's traditionally in a lot of these uh, visitations of some kind of Lord to a human, all through Greek mythology. I mean, listen, ladies. All of Greek mythology is Zeus coming down in these different forms to interact with folks in the same way, and oftentimes he dominates them. And so there is this aspect of domination from some of these kind of relationships. So you're totally on point there with with that kind of vibe. And then, like I said, some of them get real jealous and weird on top of that. So. It's, uh, but, you know, to kind of quell some of your fear and that thinking this is getting weird or that, you know, scary, I mean, humans do the same thing to each other, right? I mean, we get in relationships with people. We don't know what's going on. We dominate each other. We get weird and jealous with each other all the time. So these familiar spirits are only mirroring those archetypal behaviors that humans engage with each other in our relationships. So a lot of it really is you have to know the archetypes. And once you get kind of out of those archetypal relationships, you learn how to handle this dominance and manipulation. So I would say from my experience, when you work with these familiar spirits, you don't have to be any more or less afraid or if you're walking downtown by yourself. So you got to, you know, train yourself to know how to handle yourself and handle these manipulators. And even if they're in your family, you know, some of us will get horribly dominated and, and utilized in servitude and in all kinds of relationships. So I feel like it's an advantage in training to get to know these types of mannerisms that both the familiars and human beings uh, exert over each other in these unfortunate ways. Yeah, it's it sounds very similar to what we do to each other in just a general relationship. But, you know, with the fairies, let's talk about the fairies a little bit because yeah. we have heard and we've had guests on the show that have told us about some of the recorded history on fairies where they will kidnap people. And they'll take them into the fairy world. And yet, again, some people have had very good experiences with them, and some people have learned lessons the hard way. I know when we had Katrina Raspold on, she told us a wonderful story about how she left, I guess, milk and honey and wine and everything out for the fairies one night. They had quite a large community of fairies on their property. And the next morning... She went out and she saw these little tiny fairy shoes. And so she thought that they left them for her. And she brought them inside and everything went to crap because they weren't a gift for her. It was just that, you know, they were having their party time and left the shoes there, went to get them and Katrina had taken them. So they made her life a living hell until she figured out what she had done wrong. So she mm-hmm. put the fairy shoes back, <laughs> and then everything was all right. You know, everything was good with the oh. world. But I, it's like, you know, how do you even know what the rules are? 
in the fairy world? How do you even know what the rules are in any of these supernatural guardian worlds? It's it's a big learning curve for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's a lot of this is manners, too. It's the same with families and cultures, right? If you go visit another culture, you could compare you know, not knowing these fairy rules to not knowing how to eat sushi in Japan, really. And you're going to get the same kind of treatment almost. So these these cultural habits that we keep and that are so important for different, even within families, certain families will have rules that are very similar. So it's a, it's, that's another behaviorism of um, how cults and clans and groups kind of work through their own laws and rules. And it's you're a stranger in a strange land. So you kind of have to feel your way through as if you're traveling, right? So it's a little akin to having that humility and, and openness of a, of a traveler and a, a journeyman. Yes, exactly. And being willing to learn about the culture. And also, doesn't it make sense that if you're going to be working with familiars and guardians that you have a goal in mind? Most people do. So the big driver in these relationships, which I think why they can go into the sexual nature, is desire. So you know, you're going to be living your life here, doing whatever you're doing. Chances are you're not going to think too much about familiar spirits as you're going down your path. But if you have a desire for something that is very strong, very unrelenting, something that nags you for your life and you just got to, you know, examine that desire, chances are you're going to develop a sort of libido for it. And this libido gathering is what attracts the familiar spirits because it creates a kind of charge. So most of the folks that get into working with familiars do have a goal and it's usually their desire of their libidinous force. And then that attracts these workers to them. Solomon is a great example, right? So Solomon's desire was for wisdom, was for knowledge, and he was willing to do absolutely anything for the wisdom and knowledge, which he did. And so his charge that he created around this desire was strong enough to impose, almost like a general in an army, right? So if you're going to be led by something, that leader is going to have a passion for the thing. And that's how you're going to get people to follow you or come on board is really because you sincerely, to the depths of your bones, have a passion for this goal. And it's very, that's the charge that keeps the, the relationship with, with these familiars. I see. So, again, well, what about just basic protection? Let's say... You know, somebody is a pagan, they want basic protection, so is that strong enough of a desire to attract a familiar? That's a great question. I think, you know, I, in my experience, magic works. So when you do magic, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about belief in magic, but I'm a doer, so you can just try it and see what happens, right? And then you can Mm -hmm. go from there. So 
I, I, it's hard to tell. I feel like if someone has a larger passion, you're going to get more efficacy. Like maybe you guys know if you go to see certain witches, maybe they don't have as much mojo as, as other ones you go to see. And I think that's kind of directly related to the specific person and what's driving or motivating them is going to have more or less of a charge. So I think you could just do it blasé and, you know, still get a little something, something, but you know, the ones that are driven, (laughs) right. You're going to get a more, you're going to get a spirit that has that equal charge. So you can still get protection if you're just kind of whatever, but it's going to be like, you know, the like if you're dating the guy at McDonald's versus if you have like a char- that's so rude to say, oh, but exactly. if you have that, right, if you have that drive and goal, you're going to kind of like level up a bit. Right, right. Oh, and and it can be any kind of desire. It can be anything, right? I think so. No. Absolutely, right? Anything, that's what's yeah. dangerous. So I think. I think the danger is if your desire is for something kind of nasty, you're going to get one of these more nasty familiars on you, kind of like static cling, right? Whereas if your desire is more (laughs) of a, right, is more of some kind of totality, higher thing, that's the thing that's going to get attracted, an equal force. Now, how can you choose, how do you know the choice of someone that, is good at this type of thing. How do you know? How, how what's a good way of choosing someone to work with? That's so hard, right? Because that's why people I'm really. It's so hard. <laughs> people really are what they are. So I feel like sometimes maybe it's not a choice. It's just the, your nature, your innate nature, right? Because our desires, a lot of them are so deep in our hearts. Like this is our hearts longing, our hearts yearning, right? And that that's kind of tied to your to your essence, almost like your destiny a bit. I mean, you can develop desires for things for sure, especially uh, lower desire nature things or, you know, things that you just see and then you want these things. And maybe that's not as related to your essence. But if you're going to be working with something, you can't change, like, who you are in your essence. So, you know, maybe working through these, it'll help reveal But otherwise, you have to do and develop your develop spirally. What about uh, golems? Because that's a totally different breed of cat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Exactly. The um, intention. So if I was to put it in more magical terminology, right, I guess that would be like intention setting, which is a a lot of, most of which is do intention setting with candle magic, right? Yes. But with the golem, this is a creation, right? Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. It's with the golem, that intention is to be, so if we were looking at the root of the intention, it's to be like creator. So you're essentially, your intention or desire is to mimic the creator of humanity. So you're doing an action, which is to 
makeup. And it's like a worker too, right? Golems were used uh, to do work, to do tasks, very much like the familiar spirits. Um, and they're made of an element. They're made of mud. And so your intention in, in creating a thing like this is to mimic how, you know, in the stories, God or whatever, however you want to say, the creator spirit creates humans from mud and then animates them. So I guess for most of the folks that it works for, you'd have to have some serious intention on creator level would be my guess. And also, how do you dismantle it? I mean, this is actual creation magic. So, you know, you create this creature, and then what? You know, it's like, yeah, okay. It's like having children, <laughs> like having children, right? You, you yeah. don't have control. There's not control because of free will, because free will is real, right? So, yes. And there, it's this whole thing. That years ago. With, yeah, right? Funny. It's just a, it's it's another example of a, a powerful level of magic, but then when you're done with the golem and whatever intention you set to begin with it, then what do you do with it? Because aren't you also responsible for dismantling the golem? Correct. So I have my own feelings on that, which I can share with you. Yeah, so that I received that that came to me through my familiar spirit. My familiar spirit loves the Bible. And I always laugh because I'm a witch and I'm like, all this Bible stuff, really? So <laughs> what, what I was informed was that it's a joke. These rabbis that think they can create a man and try to be like creator. Because one of the things creator says is it promises Noah in the rainbow that it will never destroy or try to control humanity, right? This is, goes back to free will. So creator promises humans that it's not going to destroy its creation on that level again, and it advocates that we don't destroy each other. So if you read these stories of these rabbis destroying or dismantling their golems, they are not mimicking creator. They are not being as creator. They are being controllers and dominators, which goes against mm-hmm. what is advocated in the literature. So they're, they're actually making a boo-boo, in my opinion. If you are going to be a true creator, a true mother of a child is not going to try to control her child too severely or you, you break the spirit of that child. Right, and you certainly wouldn't do something to destroy it. You have to be open and free with seeing what that spirit and soul is got inside of it. So, if you're going to try to do any creative thing, you can discipline things, you can have boundaries, right? You yes. can try and teach things, but I disagree entirely with the dismantling or destruction aspect, which obviously a lot of people would, you know, probably argue with me about. But from what I received, you have to conquer your own need to control there is what you got to, that's the only thing you got to destroy is your own need to control things. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. Thank you. And, yeah. you know, it, with a lot of these familiars and the supernatural guardians that you talk about in your book, some of them, I would imagine, could really help people with bridging realities. 
So yeah. between here and the dream world, between here and an interdimension, between here and another planet. So what can happen with that? Can you give us some examples of people who've worked with these familiars and guardians that way? Yes, that's a, a wonderful point. Um, the, one of the biggest one and how people use them is through the dead, right? So they bridge the world of the living and the dead um, through work with the ancestor spirit. So that creates a biggie um, right there. For the ones that are more like angelic or intelligences, the bridge that's created is, I mean, according to some, literally from heaven to earth is the bridge that's made. Um, this bridge is talked about a lot. It's usually called the rainbow bridge. And this is where the information for things like civilization comes through. So when we see people working with these kind of intelligences that bring through information like here's how you make language, here's how you make fire, here's how you make, right, any kind of really biggie creative things that precipitate through these bridges, one of my favorites is Nikola Tesla, okay? So Nikola Tesla, the, he says that he received the information for his invention. So he, one of his famous ones is he was walking into a sunset and the sun went into his eyes and he received his alternating current motor, they just it all just plopped right down into his head, right? Fully formed. Yeah. And you know, so and there's stories of mathematicians um that do similar things where it all just comes right into them. So this this kind of bridge, the bridge that forms there is so important that it actually transmits and conveys data that's helpful to to humankind through those bridges, you know? Yes, and now Tesla, you talk about, he had a pigeon as a familiar, right? (laughs) He totally did. He had a, a, and he called it his wife, too. Talk about a relationship. And he said he was married to this pigeon who was his wife, and he had a daily exchange and relationship with the pigeon, 100%. So animals can really be conduits for all kinds of fantastic information. Yes. I, I When people talk about that animals are not intelligent or don't have language, I'm like, man, you're a dum-dum. You haven't spent yeah, any time around an animal, right? It's so weird. Yeah. All you have to do is, like, I remember the first time I, I sat on an elephant and I could feel it sentience and just you know its whole situation and I'm like I don't know who these people are they can't feel animals but their their sentience is palpable it it really is I I know uh, all of us on this show love animals and and our audience are big animal lovers but they they have this special connection that I think we can't really even imagine we just know that they have it Mm-hmm. And yeah. these experiences that are have been shared, like with Tesla and, and other people, how they have found this magnificent information with these relationships with the animals. It, it definitely, I we agree with you. I mean, these animals know more than we do. And yeah, that's we just, instinct. Their instinct. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. And their ultimate connection with spirit and that that channel of light that we forget about or misuse or break off from, whatever the heck we do wrong, we do it. And the animals, I think, are there to remind us that, wait a second, remember you had this at one point in time. So the stories that you, you talk about in the book are very helpful because they, they are reminders that we may have lost touch with that, but it's still there. I agree with you so much, and it's such an important point, and everything you just said is exactly correct. And through having relationships with animals, it does reconnect you back to nature, to, you know, everyone now is so in our civilization and our technology and removed from natural cycles and our lighting and our houses that when we forget that we're animals too. You're walking around in this meat suit full of DNA, like that's the same DNA as every other living creature, these living molecules. And when you, it's very important, vitally important for us to interact with other life forms that are living, breathing, sentient beings so that we can remember that we're not the only ones running the show, that they're, we're sharing this place with everything else that's alive. It's really a life reminder, ultimately. Yes. Yes, exactly. Now, also, with you being in L.A., do you do, and I, I obviously I watched some of your lectures, which were great. Do you do classes for people, readings for people? Tell us a little bit more about what you do. Do you have a oh, private sure. practice? Yeah. yeah, I do. I do readings a lot for folks. I do divination, like astrology, I Ching, and tarot. Uh, and then I give classes through my nonprofit called The Well-Wishers that I did with Kelvin DeWolf. He has his classes on his website, which is Paradigm of Power. And then I, I kind of give workshops all over the place. Uh, if you're on my social media, I post all my public and free talks on there. And then the workshops and seminars are usually up there too. And then I also do rituals for folks. Um, funerals, baptisms, that kind of thing to help because there's just, you know, people don't have a lot of options for initiation rituals, generally speaking, unless they go, you know, to a church or have some kind of community like that. So I like to provide that for folks as well. That's nice. Oh, that Very nice. Good. Yes. Sounds wonderful. Wonderful. So if somebody wanted to do, do a workshop with you, could they also do it via Skype if they don't live in L.A.? Oh, yeah, I do Skype all the time. It's so wonderful, oh, wonderful. with Skype. Yeah, it's so fun. Oh, good. Yeah, and so how can people find you? Oh, sure. My my website is witchofthedawn.com, and all my info's on there. On Instagram, I'm just at witchofthedawn. So I'm pretty easy. Huh. <laughs> That's easy to find. That's great. How did you get that title, Witch of the Dawn? Well, for me, it was in a meditation, and I call it the AU. So the the letters AU became very significant with this rising consciousness that's hitting everybody, you know, everyone's getting shook up and kind of slapped around to rise up their awareness level. 
it was shown to me as a dawn. You know, kind of if you're sitting there and the way they say something dawns upon you, mm-hmm. or you say, like, that would never dawn upon me, <laughs> and then you have <laughs> to get it from somewhere else. It just didn't dawn upon me. So they show this consciousness rise to me as a dawning, uh, as this rising light, uh, which I call the AU, which is also the letters for gold. And I think it's probably similar to where they got the name for the Golden Dawn group. Yes, um, and certainly, yeah, people have been using that nomenclature for a minute. And then I saw, like, in the auroras, the AU, all these kind of light things that come through are always in that fashion. So I feel like this dawning of consciousness that is so needed and I'm like, let's hurry it up. I, I'm <laughs> down. I'm in it. I'm ready for the dawning for everyone to get these realizations that are trying to precipitate into our brains. We're all for it. <laughs> we really time. are. Yes. Yes, indeedy. We want it. So Here's a question just came in by text. Somebody wants to know, do you have a familiar? Yes. I've had several experiences with familiars, like animals, but then I have one guy. He comes in as a male energy for me personally uh, who identifies himself, and he's been around since I was a teenager. So that's my story. Wow. And so have you ever had any problems with him being too possessive or you've been able to just keep everything in alignment here? Oh, I I wish I could say I was perfectly in control, but the answer is no. (laughs) Um, But it's funny, you know, he's funny. He's fun with me. So even in my worst moments of complete loss of everything into chaos, it's always a reassurance that I get. So it's very gentle. And That's does he nice. offer protection to you? Yes. Yes, very much. And I can see when it happens even uh, through weird, even physical things like preventing disasters where other people witnessed it too and said it was completely bonkers. There was no way it could have happened. But it was almost like a hand came down and stopped something from occurring so uh, there's no doubt in my mind that there is that presence. Oh, well, tell us the details. What happened? There was a couple really big biggies. One was uh, when I was riding my bike and nearly got hit by a car, and it was literally like like a scene in Twilight or something where this hand, like, scooted the car out of the way, and I made it through. You know, it was so... It was drastically, like, that's what shouldn't have happened, but it did. And then there were instances where I fell down a flight of stairs, and this was in front of a bunch of people. But I had no no marks on me, nothing happened, and I absolutely was almost, like, guided down the staircase as I fell. And everyone saw it, and they were like, wow, (laughs) that was really something. Because it was my fault because I was wearing these ridiculous heels. But it was literally like something guided me down the cement stairs, and I was fine. Gosh, 
That is miraculous. How nice. Yeah. It was crazy. PK, you need something like that. (laughs) How true, how true. (laughs) So now let's say just just for general information for people, because I know we're going to get these questions. If we don't get them now, we're going to get them later. How do you put the intention out there that you want a familiar to help you with a certain thing? whether it's protection or love or wealth or whatever, how do you put that intention out there? Sure. That's a great question. Um, In the book I mentioned, and for me personally, especially my work with Kelvin DeWolf, you have to do hard work. Like, I mean, I fasted, I was celibate. I did a lot of um, really focusing that intention for years. So for me, it became like work, like a job. And I did my meditative discipline over and over and held it like will. So the best way is to not lose the thread. So if you want to hold an intention, you have to keep the thread. So like it's similar to when someone you love and your family dies. I read somewhere in a religious text, Some people will just forget you. You know, a few years go by. They don't think about you as much. They certainly won't have an altar to you. But that person that has continues the relationship of love with their passed-on family member thinks of them fondly, tells stories of them. They're keeping that bridge open. They're keeping that connection over through, through time, through space and time, through dedication and devotion. So if you want to hold an intention... It's going to require devotion. So somebody could do uh, a daily meditation about this. Yeah, They could do some candle work. They could buy some of our beautiful candles and do the candle work. And they could also do journaling about this too, I would imagine. Yes. Just hold the thread, right? Anything that helps you hold that thread. And you said it took years. I mean, that's a, a big commitment for people in t- contemporary culture. People don't have that kind of <laughs> yeah. you know, attention span. I mean, if you can get them to pay attention for five minutes, you're doing good. But So you're really asking people to kind of go back to the old days, put the iPhone down, and and actually pay attention to what you really want from the inside. It's not for everyone. And, you know, my, my teacher says if it was easy, everyone would do it. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's so mm-hmm. true. And then how do you know it's even manifested? I mean, because some of this stuff is oh, quite esoteric. No question. You have direct experience. It's like how do you know you went pee, right? I mean, not to be crass, but, like, it's evident. You won't be in doubt. So how did you know when your familiar showed up? But what was the the defining moment? It comes into interaction. I it speaks with me very plainly and I'll test it. So I, you know, I'll try to test things to see if it's real or true in kind of a call mm-hmm. and response and then it'll do the things that I say. And that's how I really know is I'll be like, "Well, if you're there then do this." Right? Or if you're there, oh, okay. then how about this? So I get like a, mm-hmm. like a back and forth with it, and then it starts to go. Cool. What about yeah. aliens? Have you found people that have an alien or an ET as a familiar? 
I, you know, with nomenclature, it's hard to say the identity of these things. People think are aliens could be this, or there could be some kind of interdimensional thing. I can't claim to know what it is, right? It could be any of those names people use, really. So I would throw the aliens in there for sure. Because how do you tell the difference between all these things? I don't know. Yeah, I know. We've been we've been actually discussing those questions for quite some time. So yes, yeah, it is difficult to know. But I know there's a lot of interest in ETs. There's a lot of interest in interdimensionals, and I was wondering if you knew people who had attracted that, and then were happy with the relationship that ensued. Oh, interesting. Yeah, not personally. I haven't met anyone personally, but I do know. There's people who are claiming to to have that. So, I mean, from what I've read with all the crazy familiar and fairy stories, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be either. I think you're right. And And also, it's the kind of relationship that can really get out of balance because when you talk about yeah. how these familiars can get the upper hand, that certainly has occurred if you go through the abduction uh, experiences and literature so many times people talk about that, that they had no control, that these things did whatever they wanted to do to them. So it's, it's very similar cool. to the fairies. Yes. Like you said, how people talk about the fairies abducting them, too. It's really that's a weird component of this stuff, too. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's it's really all connected. I'm just not sure how but. <laughs> yeah, me neither. I don't know, but it's there. Like you can see it through, through all these stories. So that I just am, I don't have an opinion on what it is, but I can say, wow, look at that, all over the place, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, yes, you can. Oh my gosh, yes, this is a very deep rabbit hole, and I'm just so enjoying this. PK, I know you are too, right? Definitely, most definitely. This is a great rabbit hole. I love it. Yeah, because you get around one corner and then it seems like there's something else. So it's yes. it's so it's so exciting and we're so glad to be talking to you tonight and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface on all this. There's so much to it. I know. It's so amazing talking to you guys too cuz it's refreshing, you know, always to speak with folks that have a bit of background, too. So I feel like we were able to go a lot deeper uh, because of your, just you guys in general. <laughs> so because you. we are as we are as weird as you, Maja. That's what it Yay. is. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a doubt. We really are. But it's so exciting to hear this talked about from a completely different perspective, that it's not just a black cat. But I mean, and not to put down black cats, we love cats and especially black ones. But there's so much more to this. And I never yeah. suspected that. That's really so what I just kept reading stuff and found out more things. And I was like, what is going on? It was too crazy. It is just, it's wonderful crazy, though. It's wonderful crazy. Yes. And, again, in your, your book is terrific. The name of the book is Familiars in Witchcraft, Supernatural Guardians and the Magical Traditions of the World. It's available on Amazon.com. It's a terrific book, and we highly recommend it 
and I hope you have a follow-up with this one planned. Do you? Oh, thanks so much. I My next book out is actually on the I Ching, which is a divination method. And I talk about how that another way to come into dialogue with a familiar spirit is through divination systems. So uh, because I do professional readings, you know, you start to have so many experiences with the divination. I'm sure, you know, PK, if you do readings, you start to have relationships with other people's familiars and they talk to you and stuff. So through divination, you use the daemon to have a discourse as well. So in my I Ching book, I talk about not only the weird, crazy history of the I Ching, which dates back to like 6,500 BC, but also give uh, personal examples and talk a little bit more about daemons and familiar spirits in that one as well. So it's, and it's a biggie. It's like 500 pages. So that's, uh, that's wow. too. Oh my yeah. gosh. Well, you've got to come back and share all of that great information with us when, uh, when the to. book drops. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. This is to be great to have you back, Masha. Well, this has been a wonderful evening. Well spent. With you and our audience, this has been terrific. Thank you so very much for joining us tonight. Oh, my pleasure, ladies. It was a treat. Oh, good. Well, keep yes. So keep us posted, and we will be looking forward to the I Ching material and talking about that with everybody on our show. So I just want to remind everybody about ed edwards uh make sure you take a look at that on our facebook page if that's something you'd like to participate in we highly recommend ed he is one amazing guy oh and next week we're going to have another great show it could be covert disclosure if he gets those mp3s over to us we are going to have quite a rocket ship of a show next week we always have a great show we're very grateful to maja dawu who's been with us all evening and until next week everybody we'll see you on the blue highway good night good night night thanks for listening tune in next week for another radio adventure with supernatural girl Maja, that was so much fun. Oh, I had a blast. Thanks, you guys. That was wonderful. You guys are great. Oh, oh, thank you so much. And you take care. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks, you guys, too. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. <laughs>